So, Bo, these guys don't sign long-term contracts per se. I mean, Valverde's contract is really running out no matter what in a matter of months. And it was like a two-year deal. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, at this point, I think they figured out that they're never going to be happy with anybody for more than a year or two anyway. I mean, that's the Jose Mourinho joke. I mean, you don't coach a high-level soccer team for more than two to three years anyway. Uh, you're, you're, you're staring at the door pretty soon after you start your career. So we refer to this in light of the news that it is believed that Valverde, at this very moment as we tape this, has been informed by the management at uh, Barcelona that he has been fired as the manager. And we're not going to speculate as to who takes over at Camp Nou, but a major development. But when you look at it in geological terms, I guess, these guys just don't stay there that long. No, and I think it's a little unfair to Valverde. You know, Barcelona hasn't played that bad, but the pressure that is on the Spanish teams is immense, more so than the Premier League teams, especially when it comes to Barcelona and Madrid. Uh, You know, Zidane was out the door four months ago, so you never know what's going to happen. And this has been a topic that's been bubbling for about a year i mean you heard this for quite a while that there's a bit of discontent i the crazy thing to me is there is a high level of success that has been met but still it's not quite good enough and that comes back to where we started when we began this program and that is champions league being at the forefront of everything and when you see a club like liverpool grab that title do so well in their own league That Champions League matters so much to where these teams now see themselves as being relevant in the uh, global soccer sense. Yeah, but honestly, I feel like Valverde had as good a chance as anybody to go far with this Barcelona team in the Champions League. I don't think he was given a chance, but the next guy who takes over, it's not going to be a rebuild. You know, maybe it's just a spark. At this point, it's high-level soccer, Every team is looking for that small edge, and that small edge could just be a change of face on the sideline. It really may not have anything to do with tactics. Well, as you have it, we've got a tactical concept for how to manage this program, and it starts with opening up the Klausura 2020 Liga MX action, beginning its first match days of action this past weekend. We'll go through what had happened and what's to come, and also talk a little bit about the Premier League now that uh, it looks pretty much like a lock for Liverpool, but some interesting storylines as the relegation zone is at play right now, and also some Chicharito talk. Galaxy looking to replace Zlatan, who gets his first goal at AC Milan, and Chicharito, a name linked to a big, bright future, perhaps, facing LAFC and Carlos Vela in Los Angeles. That and so much more right here on Sound System FC. And welcome to Sound System FC. Lawrence, a busy weekend, the opening weekend of the Clausura. You were all over it, watching, uh, I think, just about every game. Yeah, most impressed with uh, Pumas, to be honest with you. They got Sauce, Saucedo, with a unbelievable goal, a real sizzler. Oh, yeah. As they were able to uh, take down uh, the Fred Grandies, as I like to call them, uh, Pachuca. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. you know, the, the really one that disappointed me was that Tigris just could not get a goal against San Luis. 
No, they, they couldn't. And, I, you know, I don't know if Tigris is losing steam. I mean, it's hard to judge a team by a single game. You shouldn't do that. But the Klesura is only going to be 17 games this season. So I, I kind of have to judge you by each and every game. And Atlas, you know, Lawrence, I said that they were going to make some noise. Both teams from Guadalajara, I thought, were going to do a lot. And, you know, Angel Marquez with a big goal puts Atlas in a, in a great place. You know, they played up a man for most of the match. But, you know, you maybe need 22, 23 points. Actually, maybe a little bit less than that because there's one less game to get into the final eight. So, you know, every it's it's like college football. Every regular season match matters. It's a system where the playoff works and it doesn't destroy the regular season because the regular season is so short. And, and Lawrence talking about those Guadalajara teams, the Chivas, you know, again, yes, it's Juarez, but, you know, that seems to be the rumblings in Mexico is that Chivas is going to make a run. They're going to be a, a top eight team. And, you know, Jose Macias, Alexis Vega, you know, they get they get on the board. And that was kind of Guadalajara's problem last year. They couldn't win the matches that they were supposed to. And now they are. Hey. And, you know, you look at the table so early on, you know, three points for Guadalajara, three points for Atlas, and three points for Toluca. Those are three teams that I think could be in the final eight that were not last season. All great calls. Macias uh, in his debut, really uh, a shining example of what the GOATs can expect moving forward. And uh, I I have to report that in the Cruz Azul game, the Chargers Azteca Stadium home game markers are still on the field. I mean, they're going to be playing the Super Bowl and we'll be watching games at Azteca Stadium with the NFL marking still on the field. I don't know why it bothers me so much. It, it, It just seems like relay the pitch but anyway you have it uh the toluca example you gave of a team they got three points to start the season i mean morelia a little bit flat-footed and that was the match that began everything as uh there was uh an early Friday match that uh i guess it was really nice to see toluca taking but then you got juarez looking so flat-footed against guadalajara and you're thinking are these the teams that we're looking at here that are going to fall at the bottom of the pack? It, it's kind of hard to tell right now. Carataro, you could say, is in the same thing as the Kings of Leon really smashed them. But the other match we haven't talked about, and, and I was surprised by this, was Tijuana taking the game against Santos. And it was interesting. There was a penalty kick that Santos got, and immediately Tijuana responded. So that level of impetus, that le- level of staying in the action, really will serve them well, I believe, as the Clisura continues. Yeah, the Cholos, I mean, they're they're a good team. They're a fast team. And with Liga MX, what you find is because there is so much player movement, uh, a team can make a run and do it with young talent because most of the talent in Liga MX is young talent. Some come in from Argentina, but most are Mexican-born players. And so that ability to turn over every six months and put together a strong squad – is a lot easier than it is in a lot of the other leagues because the scouting is much easier. It's it's mostly homegrown players. You know, it's mostly guys who are in the academies and you don't have to worry about going out and spending 
hundreds of millions of dollars to bring over a huge transfer that may or may not work out. And, and that's what we're seeing with some of these, I'm going to call them mid-table teams, even though last season they were at the top. But the, you know, with, even with like Santos or one of those teams, it's like they can pick up two or three young players and make some big moves. And that, as opposed to like Club America, you know, I'm worried about Club America because they still can't quite figure out what their lineup is. You know, Guido Rodriguez, you know, going to Real Betis, you know, that's big. And they're going to keep on chipping off some players. They'll go to MLS. They'll go to Europe. And, you know, they'll keep Ochoa. But there's going to be a lot of fresh faces for Club America. And, you know, who's to say that their 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old talent is better or worse than that of any of the teams, including like your favorite Atletico San Luis, mm, my least favorite. Uh, but I will say <laughs> that week one of action, or I should say match day one is a better way of putting it, did not feature Club America, who were to face Puebla in early February. And Nacaxa and Monterrey also on that same uh, time period there in early February, because having played in the Liga MX finals, there's a bit of a pause for what would be Club America and Monterey, and in this case, their two opponents. And this will hurt Puebla down the line because in a span of really, I'd say about nine days, there will be three matches in February as everything evens out. And uh, later in the program, we'll talk about Liverpool's game in hand and how it's on the schedule now with West Ham. But the, the similar thing here where there'll be a lot of games in a condensed period of time for uh, those four teams that on this match day one didn't take place. And as you mentioned, both yeah, 17 Monterey's going to, yeah, Monterey's going to, you know, Monterey and club America, like they get a little bit of a break, but America playing Tigris on January 18th, you know, we're going to find out a lot about Tigris. We, you said you weren't impressed with them in the first week. I'm worried about what kind of lineup club America is going to have. And those questions are going to be answered uh, and we're, we're going to see if the rest helps or hurts America. We're really going to see if it helps or hurts Monterey, because I feel like Monterey and Mohamed, they're a streaky team, and they're on a huge win streak, but does this three-week break lull them into a false sense of security? Because you lose a couple of games right off the start of the Clorosura, and you're going to have a tough time clawing back into the top eight. Yeah, and so what we're talking about are matches that are set for this coming Saturday the 18th of January, where Club America will host Tigris and Monterey is hosting Morelia. And uh, also in this week, I, I am curious to see if Pumas continues their success. And they play early. They're going to be playing on uh, the Thursday coming up on the 16th against Juarez. And uh, a quick turnaround there, but but an exciting match. I mean, how everything is condensed is a big thing to note, but uh, to just help set the schedule so people can put this in their mind's eye. You mentioned 17 match days of action and that takes us to the early part of may before the little league for the clausura will take place and and it's it's flying it's fast it's 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 really great to see that when it comes back to action it is happening and the storylines that we follow like keep unfolding quickly that that makes this very very exciting yeah yeah and uh like you said you see how quickly these teams change over too, you know, with Perez coming to the Cholos from Atlanta, it, you can have that one player that's going to give you that spark. And again, I know I've said it a couple of times, but six wins, 
puts you in a good place. Six wins out of 18, you know, that's going to get you close. A couple of draws, you're in the final eight. Then you just got to be like your boy Mohamed and, you know, get your get your team lined up to, to win, you know, win seven straight, and there you go. Yeah. You have a championship. So to, to look at what's ahead, we, we spoke of that uh, Juarez hosting Pumas on Thursday, uh, you know, everyone's favorite, San Luis, uh, have Cruz Azul on Friday. And, you know, like you said, uh, Atlas with the chance to really make a mark here, two straight wins, they host Puebla. And I want to keep an eye on the game that we'll see on Saturday as well as when we see Monterey and Club America in action as Pachuca host Guadalajara. It will be kind of an interesting thing to see if Guadalajara on the road continue with the success because that would be two wins to start things off and, and, and really kind of a different lift than how this past uh, Pachura started for them. Yeah, I mean, Pachuca is a good team. They're a young team. They have an amazing academy program. And so with their academy program, you you really don't have a good idea of where they're going to be. They're in the middle, right? I don't think that Pachuca's a top four team. They weren't last season. They won't be this season. But I don't know if they're a bottom four team. Or did these kids learn a lot in the first, you know, in the in the Apertura? You know, so you're right. This is going to be an interesting game because we're going to get to see how the young talent for Tuzos has developed. And is Chivas truly out of the basement? Is Chivas going to be back in some sort of dominance. And when we say dominance, we mean, you know, are they going to be a five to seven seed in the little league? All right. Well, we turn our attention now to the Premier League as uh, match day 22 of uh, 38 was com- completed. And, and it's kind of amazing at this point. You're looking at the obvious here, that Liverpool is so far in ahead and the game in hand. And when we talk about that game in hand, we now know that uh, that will be taking place on the 29th of uh, this month, January 29th, uh, against West Ham, um, kind of creating a, a series of games. It'll be like three days or something like that between when Liverpool would host Southampton. And I'll, I'll start there. And it's the obvious stuff with Liverpool. 61 points out of an available 63 points. They've had one draw, the rest victories. And the lead at 14 right now on the table ahead of Man City, that's an obvious thing. But what is going to be interesting here is what we talked about in the last program. Invincibles, the Arsenal squad, 12 draws. We've seen one draw for Liverpool. Will a defeat come? You said you believe it will. I'm going to call this one, and this is a, this is a weird one. Everyone is getting Hassan Hoodled now. I mean, everyone is getting Hassan Hoodled. This is now getting kind of out of hand how Southampton is rolling off wins. It's highly, highly surprising. And Southampton taking down Leicester on Saturday, 2-1, to one, at the home of the Foxes, the King Power. That was exciting. Yeah, and Liverpool, as impressive as they are, they're winning by a goal in a lot of these games. If it wasn't for Bobby Chompers, I don't know where they would be. You know, I the Spurs, I, I was really excited about the Spurs. And, you know, I, look, Mourinho can't blame Kane going out for his troubles because Kane was out for a lot of last season's Champions League run. But... You know, that Liverpool game wasn't just a, a, a drubbing. Liverpool didn't dominate the game. At some point, Liverpool will slip up. 
And, you know, that brings the question of if Liverpool wins 30-something games and has one draw and one loss, is that more impressive than the Arsenal with that many draws? You know, what you're seeing Liverpool do is incredible. And I think sometimes you have to step away from the stats and step away from history and just look at the quality of play and the ability to win games that you look like you're going to tie or win games that you look like you're going to lose. And that, to me, is much more impressive than a team that statistically you know, has 12 draws but never has a loss. I just want to put on record... Southampton's rise right now and the, and the past little run. I don't think they were, they were ripped apart by Leicester city. I'm not letting this one go nine to nothing. A, a ridiculous, ridiculous outpouring of goals earlier in the season. And for them to go on the road and win two to one, I think they're the one that's the kind of the dark horse team that could get some of these larger clubs. Now I think they're getting some legitimate momentum. I, I I really do. I like, and I, I well, it could yeah, be a you're right, you're right. thing, they, but I don't think it is. They beat they beat Chelsea, right? They they draw Crystal Palace. I mean, eh, Crystal Palace is not a terrible team. They beat the Spurs, and then they beat Leicester. So, and then they play the Wolves. They play your Wolves, and so you know what? That's a good take. If if there if you could get if you could get somebody to to give you a decent line on that. On the bet, I I would I would take Southampton with odds against you know against Liverpool. I, I you know they they do have a chip on their shoulder, and luckily they do because Lawrence they kept uh, getting away from that relegation zone, and that relegation zone seems to be growing. I mean, you basically have every team from fourteen down right on the cusp of getting uh, getting taken down a notch. Yeah, well, this coming Saturday, Wolves do travel to Southampton, and that that should hopefully be a Southampton loss. Uh, Wolves with a draw at home against Newcastle this past week, uh, rather disappointing in, in many regards, but just a sluggish game. Wolves will draw a lot. Uh, the other draw of note is Rob Lowe and uh, his Arsenal Gunners. Uh, with the draw at, at Crystal Palace, every match, Roy Hodgson leaves the pitch looking dazed and confused. More and more, it seems these days. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's it's just kind of odd. We're we're trying to create storylines in the Premier League right now because it's over. Uh, and you're right. the The only thing that's interesting now is. Does Mourinho put out the dumpster fire that is Spurs? Does Arsenal at least become a top eight, top seven team and, and you know, get through the season without uh, some massive overhaul where they just start selling players? And you know what? I think that if the Hammers get relegated, I think that's huge. Oh. I think that So those are the storylines you're looking at. You know, you're not looking at who, who you know, I really feel like the top four is pretty solid. I feel like Chelsea, the Foxes, Man City, and Liverpool, that's going to be the Champions League. You know, Man United goes where they belong, which is Europa League. And, you know, 
There you go. That's it. One more shout out to uh, Nigel Pearson and the Watford Hornets for going into Bournemouth and uh, taking down the cherries. And for Eddie Howe, I mean, this was a bloom on a rose that's sort of wilting a little bit what's happening at Bournemouth. And for Watford, uh, you know, th- this seemed very, very lost earlier in the season. Now Norwich is at the very bottom of things, having uh, fallen to Man United 4 to nothing. Uh, at Old Trafford, but you see a Watford squad that's really pulling itself out, and some of those players are being targeted by some of the bigger clubs. So you're right, the relegation story, way more interesting than what's actually happening at the very top of things right now because it is so settled, it seems, with Liverpool. And we've got so much to talk about. You're talking about West Ham falling out. Well, a former hammer, one Chicharito, uh, the little P, will... Perhaps be heading to Galaxy. We could just do it. We could just do a show. Yeah, we could just do a show about teams that Chicharito is playing for, has played for, and may play for, and that could actually fill a podcast. Well, at least it but should right, fill after part of our second half, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, after the break, we'll do that. We're going to touch on a little La Liga and a little MLS, and uh, Lawrence will learn the fate of one Javier Hernandez. Welcome back to Sound System FC, Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly. And uh, as we continue on, great to talk about Liga MX and the Premier League. But La Liga, huge storylines. We opened this show with the Valverde news that's coming down. Reports out of Barcelona that uh, the time Literally is now in up. first place. Literally in first place. Literally, you are in first place in La Liga. You are in the round of 16 of Champions League, and you get fired. Well, I got to ask. Why? Is, is, Why? Because you lose You lose against Atletico Madrid in a Super Cup, which I'm still not real sure what the hell the Super Cup is. I mean, yes, Atletico looked great because they're a great team, but how many times are we going to just have these three or four guys play each other? Mm-hmm. Um I'm happy for Real Madrid. I'm, you know, they 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 played really well. Barcelona loses, so now we're gonna fire coaches because of their performance in glorified friendlies. I I I don't get it. I mean, he's he's tied with Real Madrid at the top of the table, and they're number one by goal differential. I, I yeah, I mean, I get it that you know they need a little spark that they feel like they're flat with Valverde. But, you know, when Spurs pulled this a couple of, you know, a month or two ago, they were not doing well in the Premier mm-hmm. League. You know, Poch had done such a great job with that team, but they did kind of flatten out. But their flattening out was 7th place, 8th place, 10th place in the Premier League. Barcelona isn't really flattening out. They're just getting old. Well, I almost look at it like this. You know, and I'll make an NBA example for you. Messiah Jiri has kind of done this twice, if you think about it. The Denver Nuggets had a uh, really successful season under George Carl, where he was the NBA's coach of the year, and in that same year, removed from being the head coach. I believe Brian Shaw came in before now. What's uh, Mike Malone? But uh, then in Toronto, Dwayne Casey, successful players coach, 
you know, he's coaching the all-star game is the team of the top record. Uh, and then Nick nurse comes in and just that change, you know, and, and other bits of misfortune lead Toronto to the NBA title. I, I guess the change of management at the very top can, you know, stimulate results. I, I, I guess I, it doesn't surprise me because we've been hearing it for so long about Valverde, but I'm just using the NBA example as even teams that are performing really well and their coaches are loved coaches. And, you know, I, I, I'm not presuming. Yeah, but to we're know not talking about teams that are the not, number but, one. We're not talking about teams that were number one. We're not talking about the team with the best record. Well, you know, number one or number coach. two at given points of the season. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the Nuggets were, I believe, the number two or three seed in the West that year. And and, and Carl had led them to a, an unbelievable home record uh, the year that he won Coach of the Year and was, uh, you know, sent away. And then the Dwayne Casey thing, yeah, that was that was a top team in the East, one of the top teams in the East. I mean, it's, it's kind of confusing when, you know, LeBron was a, you know, yeah, Cavalier I mean, in that team. I, you couldn't tell you, what they were. Were they the best or were they in the middle? I, like, but yeah, but, well, no, I you're, you're right. You're 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 right. You're right. I mean, it, it is a it is a good parallel. I just, I mean, we're talking the pedigree of Barcelona. I I, I don't know. They're gonna they make a move like this. We're gonna we're gonna punish him. I mean, I know it's it's you know. It's the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. But like, they lost to Atletico. So what? I'd I'd take a bet that Atletico is going to beat Liverpool. Oh, I got to ask the you Champions this: I, th- they're going to win at least one game against Liverpool in the Champions League. And so, and Liverpool, everybody thinks is the best team in the league and in the league in the world. I I don't necessarily think that's true right now. Hmm. I've been hearing you say that, and and, and now I've just got to ask the more overarching question to you. Are we getting to the point, maybe even with the the top, top clubs in La Liga and the Premier League, where it's not so much sports anymore, it's like an actual soap opera, and we're just moving characters out? Oh, my God. If you actually tried to follow, and I know you do a lot, if if you follow the, the, the European sporting football press, it is a soap opera, because Every single day, there's a new story about this is happening and this is happening, and Potch is going to coach this team, and Xavi's coming back, and we're going to do this, and Gareth Bale will now go to the Spurs, or or you know whatever. They make it a soap opera, but in the end, these are all amazing soccer teams. And you know, we we always when we when we talk about soccer a lot, Lawrence, we try to bring it back so that our audience our audiences. Of course, people here who live in the United States, and most people are very new to world soccer. But what you have to understand about soccer is, and you know, there's a great book called uh, uh, Soccernomics about about soccer, and it kind of helps explain the research that's gone into the fact that soccer is the most team sport, the the closest thing to a team sport you will find if you look at like basketball. One player can make a huge amount of difference when it comes to the success of a team. But in soccer, soccer is a team sport in the idea that your team is a balance of all 11 guys on the field, not just the two best, not just the three best. And because of this, you have teams that are so close, PSG, Liverpool, Barcelona, Madrid, all these, Atletico or Real, Man City, 
these teams are all so close and they just get streaky and you know it, it's hard for us to just sit here and, and back off and just be like oh well you know that team is it needs this or that team is it's a soap opera they need to get rid of this coach because this will change it no these teams are just all so close that you can't really tear apart the tactics you just kind of have to look at the 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 uh, the you know the the more abstract storylines to figure out why they're not winning. Yeah, well, in this case, I look at where things might be heading in the MLS because I was just in Memphis on a work trip, and you know, I was talking to the guy there who uh, is a supporter of the uh, you know the USL Memphis nine oh one the tim howard operation there that play in the uh same baseball park as the memphis redbirds the triple a affiliate of the uh, st louis cardinals and yeah yeah it's a nice stadium i used to live near that stadium that, that auto park stadium is it, it, or auto zone i should say auto zone uh, yeah so uh then you have uh just a quick diversion here i just want to make a really nice evening out in midtown where, where i met this guy who's a supporter of uh 901 and he's talking about uh the nashville team that's coming in and you just look at all of this expansion in the mls and it's like well what, what's going to be needed here um my quick aside is to say the high tone in memphis great spot uh heard this uh group from can't believe it's still open it's, man that thing i i lived in memphis t- 20 years ago and the high tone was the spot. Alive and well, uh, the, the Brummies, who uh, a band from Alabama that cut their teeth playing music in the home of Aston Villa in, in Birmingham, UK. So uh, the the Brummies, quite good. But but I'm talking to this guy about just soccer in the region. And there's, you know, reasonable success for people wanting to come out because it's such a nice ballpark and, and see something other than AAA baseball and, and support the local soccer team in Memphis. But just the concept that Nashville now has an MLS team and St. Louis is going to be having one, Austin, Texas, Sacramento, and Inner Miami, and uh, Inner Sandman. I can't remember the other one. But like you've got, you've got. Oh my God, there's just too many. It, it's, it's, it, it's getting to the point where maybe, just maybe, the highlight of it all would be if Carlos Vela would be on one side with LAFC and Chicharito on the other with Galaxy, and we just try to put the spotlight on superstars of North American soccer playing in MLS, and then when it folds somehow into Liga MX, that could be interesting. But I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to think – We'll talk about Chicharito in a second in, in, in real terms, but I'm starting to think that unless MLS builds up such a large profile to where relegation is maybe a reality and there's like two leagues, I, I don't know why it's getting this big. I, I really, I'm, I'm actually starting to get concerned. Well, because, you know, we talked about it before. This is basically, to me, it's a play on the fan experience. And MLS seems to be real concerned about selling tickets and building these like soccer communities. And that's very important. And I'm actually very impressed with the success of that. The problem is, is that their television product is not good because the quality of play has been so watered down. I mean, you're taking a league that is, it's a second tier league and that's not an insult you know, you can't be a top-tier league unless you're paying players hundreds of millions of dollars, and we're not at that point. But you take that out. You take out the fact that there's no relegation. You take out the fact that you play a separate season than everybody else. And if I have the option of watching whatever I want on TV, 
then I'm going to watch. And, and, you know, I think the idea is like, well, if we can penetrate all these markets, then people in Austin will start watching MLS games that don't involve the Austin team. I don't know if that's true, though. Well, okay. I don't. Okay, I, so the, you're selling an experience. You're not selling a product, and all the other leagues they're selling a product. That's why you watch the product because the product is so good. You know, it's. I'm trying to think of the best way to like. You know, it's it's like, you know, they're they're selling. Uh, you know, it, it's not a TV show, right? It's not something that's going to entertain me, but. I'll go down the street and watch it because of the in-person experience. Well, leading me to the following question, if we're noting that the MLS's television viewership, for the most part in the United States, is coming on Univision, would that lead you to believe that the star power that needs to be on the marquee teams needs to be players on El Tree, Mexican superstars like Chicharito, would Ochoa come to the MLS at some point, uh, Velas here, Raul Jimenez, you know, don't leave Wolves, but like a, a player of that stature. Are we, are we going to see, instead of the Zlatans of the world or the uh, David Beckhams or the, you know, like, are we going to see the Mexican national soccer team broken up into parts and put into MLS teams because that's who's really watching if the next frontier is television. Is that why yes the Chicharito no. thing yeah, works? Yes. The Chicharito thing works. Totally. Chicharito to LA Galaxy really works. It does a lot of things. It ticks a lot of boxes. However, what could happen and what may happen is Liga MX, you know, they're they're starting to really grasp what their product is capable of and if they can go through and tell all the teams look we have to do away with this nonsense where everybody has their own television rights we need to centralize it and we need to have english language rights spanish language rights and it's the entire league you don't just make a deal per team and we can go out and put this product on TV, okay, that's going to create more money. You create more money, right, through advertisers. You increase what is already a quality league, and that's how you get the viewers. Because, you know, here in Phoenix, where I live, you know, we have a, we have a great team, Phoenix Rising. Everybody talks about Phoenix Rising. Everywhere I drive around, I see a Phoenix Rising bumper sticker or shirts or hats and you go to the games and they're sold out and it's insane right but after going and seeing that I don't rush home so I can turn on and watch you know especially I'm not going to turn on and watch New Mexico play NSL soccer but I'm not even like oh let's go see what the MLS is doing let's go see what the the next league up you know let's see what they're doing no I come home and watch actual real quality soccer whether it's Premier League, La Liga, or Liga MX. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that I don't do the exact same. And then traveling around and meeting different people in different parts of the country and seeing what, you know, their taste for all of this is. The Premier League has a strong lock on people's attention because it starts in the morning. And for the true hardcore fans who are uh, up late at night, especially if you're on the East Coast and you're able to watch... You know, League MX 
you're you're getting something really nice to kind of end your full day of soccer with. And uh, I mean, we we end here where we began the Clausura in the week one uh, has a lot of cool storylines. Premier League a little bit less so, but. What we're going to see here with MLS coming up pretty soon and uh, changes in La Liga are, are probably where we're starting next episode, wouldn't you think? We'll see. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, and that's the nice part about doing something that covers the world of soccer. There's always content because who knows who's going to get fired? Who knows who's going to get hired? Uh, and, you know, with these transfer windows opening up, you know, Gareth Bale to enter Miami. Probably not, but, you know, whatever. That's the headline on something, I'm sure, right now. Well, let's get out of here and get back to it in the coming week where some of this will come into focus with Bo Byerly. I'm Lawrence Scott. Thanks for listening to Sound System FC. Sound System FC.